taking names and kicking butts. This is Head Kicks and Haymakers. Good morning, fight fans. Welcome to another episode of Head Kicks and Haymakers. I am that dude, as always, Bodkins. Welcome to another episode. Um, man, great weekend uh, fights. Uh, we got a fully loaded show for you today. Uh, we're with no fights last night, but we're going to preview, uh, talk a little bit of manager stuff. We're going to be talking Kayla Harrison and uh, kind of what's next for some crafty veterans coming up. Uh, as always, I am joined by my main man, Kay, with the Craig. And Mr. Uh, Smoking Amigo Kenneth Miller. Uh, welcome, boys. Uh, another uh, lovely Sunday morning here. Getting ready to talk some fight news, fights to be made. What's next for uh, some people? Boys, one of the biggest topics right now in MMA um, is this managers. There's been a lot of people uh, on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, we've seen Luke Rockhold come out, and if he uh, on the MMA Hour show with Ariel Hawani said if he had one advice to give to an up-and-comer was get a manager who's not linked to the UFC or who doesn't work for the UFC. Uh, Sean O'Malley has come out and said he represents himself. We've seen Cruz, Dominic Cruz, say he represents himself. You don't need a manager. And then uh, Dan Hooker's come out and said you do need a manager because he's put himself in some bad situations because he didn't have a manager taking fights on short notice, dropping down to 145. Uh, he's kind of labeled that having a manager might be the best thing for, at least for him. So Craig, what's your take here on fighters and managers? I mean, do they need one? Is it best for business? And what's kind of your thoughts here? So um, initially, I kind of like what Luke Rockhold said, I mean, uh, about getting a manager kind of outside of the organization. Um, I do think it's smart for these young fighters to get some kind of management um, just because it's a risky business to go into it without it. I know guys like Sean O'Malley and Dominic Cruz have said that they um, go without management, but there's been fighters come out and say, you know, when Sean O'Malley gets big, big time. If, uh, if he was winning titles and things like that, like he's going to have to get some sort of management. Um, it's smart in the sport, I think, to have some sort of management. Um, but I think it's also smart for these guys to like uh, do some pretty deep digging um, into their management choices and not just getting tied up with the, with the hot name, popular name guys out there. You know what I mean? Um, but I do think, I think not having a manager, in any sport as any professional athlete um, has shown to, that it can be, it can be risky. Kenny sugar show got rid of his manager and then got the biggest fight of his career uh, right after that. I mean, is that the path to take or what's your kind of your thoughts here? I think you have to really do, you have to really take a long look in the mirror and do what is going to work best for you. I think um, when you look at O'Malley's situation, you said that he got his biggest fight of his career right after he dumped his manager that was also kind of by default because no other nobody else in the top 10 had a fight. So I don't know if those two things exactly went hand in hand. Um, but you're seeing this kind of more in sports. You know, in football, you're seeing a lot of dudes start to represent themselves and they're getting some big paydays off of it. Uh, but you're also seeing some other stories. Um, after Cruz's last fight, uh, they came out and said he made less money than Angela Hill that card. And, and he was his own manager. So I think you really have to do what's best for you. If you're going to go that route, I think. You kind of have the responsibility to yourself to make sure that you've done the research on the business side and you're able to do that. I think they're right about O'Malley, though. I think once you kind of get up in that upper echelon, there's only 24 hours in a day. And those guys need about 18 of them to train. And you know, so there's only so many hours left for business. So when you really think about it, I mean, I don't know how widespread it's going to be, especially with the Contender Series. You know, you look at Sean O'Malley. He was, what, 21 years old on Contender Series. He was just a kid obviously doesn't have a business management degree or sports management degree. So for him to take over, it's a big risk for him to take over his own career like that. But without that, that real knowledge of the behind the scenes business side, is he going to be able to do that in the, that upper echelon? Um, I do think the rock holds smart though. I think his advice of getting a manager so that someone can handle that side, but not somebody that's in Dana's pocket trying to kiss his ass to make sure that he's happy too. So that they got a job. I think that's probably the best route now. 
it might bite you in the butt a little bit having a third party guy. Maybe Dana doesn't like him as much. Maybe it's harder to get those fights. But as long as you go out and win, you're going to be get the fights. They're not going to be able to keep you out of them as long as you handle your side of the business too. Yeah, we got one quick comment in here real quick. Uh, oh, Chris Landis says, fires are trying to share the slice of the pie they get for fights uh, with too many people. Why can't these teams represent themselves? If my manager isn't part of my team, it starts It starts to question. That's, I mean, that's true, and that's, I, I think, because of the show when pay and these guys happen to, you know, by the time they pay out, you know, your, your gym, your manager – and everything else, I mean, you're not left with a whole lot. So if you can kind of cut out a guy, I can see why guys are are not getting managers. But like Hang, like Hangman said, Dan Hooker said, like not having a manager put me in some bad spots because I was making my own decisions. Even though my coach was telling me no, I still went and did it. I still took a fight against Islam on 10 days notice. I still dropped down to 145. I was still taking a fight anybody, anytime where maybe Is a that manager, the manager's fault though? If he had a manager, would Dan Hooker have said no? According to him, he said yes. It's Dan Hooker. Dan, you signed the contract. You said yes. You know, he had that anytime, anyplace, anywhere mentality. You know, like you said yes, manager or not, you said yes, Dan. Yeah, that manager is kind of your voice. It's the, That's your Jiminy Cricket, though, you know. That's but if he says his coaches say no, if you ain't listening to your coach, you ain't listening to the manager. Because the manager definitely ain't in your camp. When the coach is sitting right next to you training your ass saying, hey, I don't think you should take this fight. If you still take it, you damn straight listen to a manager. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. I, I think Dan's just kind of just saying maybe hopefully having a management will, was, you know, he's kind of blaming himself for doing a lot of the things that he's done. So, I mean, kudos to him for looking in the mirror and saying, hey, this is kind of my fault, uh, you know, and, and now he's ready and he's got the management team. Uh, and, you know, he's looking around. I think he kind of took notice of uh, Bulk and uh, Izzy, who's on his team. And was like, oh, they got managers. And now, you know, look how successful they're doing. But one of the problems I've seen with managers is the UFC does not like your manager. And we've seen this with other teams, too, uh, where, you know, it's tough to get fights. It's tough to get deals done. But, you know, then you get the guys who are linked into the UFC's pockets and they're taking away, you know, money from these fighters. It's, you know, it's a tough it's Craig. It's a tough situation, don't, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. It's a tough situation, but kind of like Kenny alluded to earlier, man, like not winning cures everything. But when I mean, if you're doing your business in the octagon, it's hard for them to to keep shying you away. And we say that while guys like, you know, Francis are sitting here on the sidelines, not fighting. Um, But I don't know. It's 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 a risky business, man, I think, to get out there without a manager. Now, I get it. I mean, we've seen guys like uh, Cannoneer come out and basically say, you know, I made 10 grand on a fight. I walk away with like 2,500 bucks by the time I pay everybody out, you know? Um, so cutting out a guy kind of makes sense. But I mean, right now in the UFC, like we've seen all the money's in, in marketing yourself and what you're making outside of the octagon, really. Um, the guys that are making huge money are making it off of how they can market themselves. Um, so, you know, kind of like Kenny said, it's it's a situation by situation type of deal. But with most guys, I think it's smart to have some kind of management team out there, you know, marketing you. This is another problem with uh, not having a fighters union. Uh, in the NFL, NBA, MLB, all the agents and managers all have to be approved by the Players Association. There is no fighters association to approve these managers. So these guys can come in and almost just like Dana does, take this dealer, get the hell out of here. We'll find somebody else some other 22-year-old kid who can punch people in the face. And they're kind of screwed into taking a lot of these deals. If a union would be able to at least vet these guys and make sure that they're not rats. At the end of the day, these managers are, I mean, they're just nothing but fight promoters, man. I mean, that's that's all they're doing, you know. Especially the ones in the UFC's pocket. And I'm going to, this kind of coincides with this. Like, is the, the, Craig, you alluded to it with Jared Cannonier. Is, is the show win model, is that old now? And, you know, because we have still have this show win model, that's cutting out some of these managers because guys are trying to save money because, you know, especially if you're not that top echelon guy and you're with the, the up and comer guys and you're only getting 10,000, you know, 20,000 if you win, you know, if you win. And that and then, like we just said, you got to pay. That's that's not even paying taxes, you know, then your team, your gym and everything else. 
I mean, is the so let's let's talk a little bit of the show win model, Kenny. Is that is it is it outdated? Is it time to move on and away from the show win model? From the current show win model, yes. I think that's kind of an evident over the last five to seven years. You've seen more and more fighters complaining about that. The the current show win model, your show and win is pretty much 50% or it's 100%. It doubles whenever you win. So I think that there's going to have to be something to where the show is better. Like Patty said, he said, nobody pays me to fight. He said, I get paid to make weight. He said, as soon as I make weight, he said, I've already done my job. And, and he's right. And these guys that are doing that, especially as many guys as we see missing weight, the things they're having to do, especially at this upper echelon, because the way the sport's evolving, you got guys like Tom Aspinall been doing MMA since you're seven years old. It takes a lot of training. You're going to keep up with a guy like Tom Aspinall then. And so I think that the current show win model, I think you up the show. Maybe the win's not exactly just a double. Something, however you change it, it definitely has to change, especially if these fighters are having to cut people out of their lives that have a chance to save them from a lot of shit and make their lives better. If they're having to get rid of people on their support team because of the current way that the contracts are styled, I think something has to change. You can't, there's enough that the fighters are putting on the line already physically. You can't have them be putting on the line financially unnecessarily. Craig, what's your thoughts here on the show win model? I mean, and what's kind of like your solution here? What do you have? Do you have like a different solution for the show win instead? I, I mean, I don't know about a solution. I agree with Kenny. Something's kind of got to change. I mean, the show win model in itself as a whole makes sense. Um, but I mean, right now, the show win model, I think it's 10 grand, 20 grand. Um, like Kenny said, you know, basically 50 percent or you double it um, with a win. Um, I know there's fight of the night bonuses and, you know, things like that. But at the end of the day, like if you hear Dana talk numbers at the end of the fight, like um, that Salt Lake City card, he talks, um, opens up and says that they made like 4.3 million on uh, the gate on that card. Um, you know, whenever you're making 4.3 million on the gate, $50,000 bonuses, you know, I mean, they sound like a lot, but they're, I mean, that's chunk change, you know what I mean? So I feel like maybe there should be more bonuses that go out um, on each card, um, you know, maybe higher bonuses to, you know, certain things. I don't know. Um, I feel like there's got to be something happen because uh, like Kenny said, I mean, this is the, this is the upper echelon of the sport. So you can't have guys cutting out, um, you know, parts of the business that make it the upper echelon of the sport. You can't be cutting out managers. I mean, are they going to start cutting out trainers? You know, what are they going to start doing to start saving money? Then, you know, it's not, you know, the top tier of the game. So I feel like there's got to be some kind of uh, middle ground here where, where things work out. And honestly, a fighter's union would be the ultimate solution, I think. Even without the fighter's union, you look what Live Tour did for PGA. PFL is starting to try to do that for UFC. The way they're guaranteeing a lot of money to these people without a show win, Dana's going to have to change something because you're going to see more and more people take the Shane Burgess route of these guys are guaranteeing me money without me having to go out there and kill myself for it. And then I still get a bonus if I go out there and kill myself for it. And Dana's going to have to change something just to keep up with that. Yeah, I mean, Shane, you know, to allude to that, Shane Burgos kind of said <clears throat> he wins this PFL tournament. That's more money than he's ever made in the UFC. I mean, that's a million dollars. He has to go out and do that, which we've seen guys come from the UFC and not do that. But uh, a girl we'll talk about later is Kayla Harrison and why she, you know, she continues to make more money than what she would in the UFC because she keeps winning these tournaments. Uh you know, a guy that's kind of stepped out and we'll just kind of keep on this track of like things that need to be different as, as we go here, Francis Nagano's kind of come out and said, man, like I had a, a deals with cryptocurrency, you know, cryptos and, and ads, you know, is it time the UFC has got, I mean, that ESPN deal has been super lucrative. They're making more money than they ever have um, right now in, in their organization with the ESPN deal the crypto.com, the Venom deal. Is it time to let these fighters bring back some advertisements and ads, you know, sponsors on their uniforms? I know they don't want it to make it look like it's NASCAR, but it's almost time to do that if you're going to keep this show win, huh, Kenny? There has to be something. That's one thing. It's almost like we said, if you're going to strap these fighters to where they have to get rid of people from their support team, sponsors were a big part of their support team. It was the way they were able to make their own money. High school kids can make money off their name, image, and likeness, but a UFC fighter can't put a, a logo on the side of their shorts and make money during a fight. And I think that if you bring back sponsors, they're able to pay more people within their team 
without worrying about that UFC contract. Nobody really – you never heard Chuck, Tio, Randy, none of these guys bitch about contracts before because they had 75 logos on their shorts and they were making 200000 a fight without ever touching their UFC money. And if Dana would just let – even let them hang a banner over the side in between rounds at the beginning of the fight, whatever it is, but these exclusive deals where the fighters get 25% of the revenue from Venom and then the UFC gets 75% and that's the only thing the fighters can put on them. You know, Patty Pimblett signed a, I saw this week, I forget the nutrition company, but he signed a seven-figure deal. You got O'Malley selling his own merch, but none of them can bring any of that stuff into the cage. And I just don't understand that. You're really cutting these fighters off the knees and they're doing a lot to help you give people $250,000 birthday gifts. Right right now, Craig, they can't even bring flags flags out. I mean, uh, Marab, Marab was on the MMA Hour 2, and he was complaining how he couldn't carry his Jordan flag out. So, I mean. Leach, too. The Leach got his flag stripped off him on the cage while he was celebrating. So, so I mean, Craig, like, I mean, what is Dana going full dictatorship here? I mean, no sponsors, no flags, no. I mean, he just doesn't. He gives zero Fs right now, right? Is that, I mean. Is that what it sure seems like it. I don't, and I don't understand. You know, I don't understand the aspect or what the issue is with the flags for sure. Um, the sponsorships, man. Dana's just always kind of been, you know, all the sponsorships has got to go through him. I mean, he's he's Uncle Sam in this business. He's got to get his cut of of any money that's coming through. Um, and I have heard Dana, you know, talk about, you know the amount of money that the UFC has made, but what they've done and, you know, the facilities that they've built all over the world and how much they've done to grow the sport. And I mean, he's not, he doesn't lie about that um, aspect of things. I mean, they UFC, I mean, there's a reason it's still the top tier um, in the world, you know? Um, but the, the flag deal, I don't understand that, but as far as sponsorship on the shorts, I've always been behind um, allowing the fighters to do that. Like Kenny said, if they could just hold up a sponsorship banner in between rounds over in their corner, kind of against the fence or something like that. Um, but Dana, like I said, he's uncle Sam man. he's got to get his tax on everything. So all the sponsorships got to go through him. That's why he cut the, cut it out of the shorts. He's got the venom deal because uh, he, like you said, he gets 75% cut. With the venom deal it doesn't matter how good it is for the fighters it's great for him you know kenny i mean as a as a army veteran it seems like that's what dana's trying to do is uh army uniform strict uniforms no flags uh you it's the ufc flag and that's the only only flag is that kind of your take because that's what i'm thinking here uh i don't know i mean the army at least let me decide if i wanted to grow a mustache or not <laughs> so i mean that's I don't, next. I don't, that's next that's right i mean so the army gave me a little more freedom no i mean I don't want to say that. Like you got Dana is doing good things for the sport. You know, obviously, I think every for the most part, fans, analysts in general are all in agreement that fighters need a bigger cut. But at the end of the day, as much of a dictator and a mob boss as he wants to be, Dana is good for UFC. He's good for MMA. The sport, I mean, it's grown so much in the last 30 years, really the last 20 years. But since he's been involved, he it's easy for him to look at everybody and just say, dude. Get out of my face. Like, look at everything I've done. The only reason we're talking about fighter pay is because the amount of money the UFC is making. It didn't used to be making that. That's why we didn't used to talk about it. So I think that Dana's kind of took that, that backyard fighting organization. He's turned it into to one of the premier sports organizations in the world. But he needs to understand that there's a certain thing that happens with that, too. You know, when the NFL got that big, NBA got that big and merged, things had to change business-wise. And I know Dana keeps saying nothing will ever change as long as I'm here. It's easy to say, but I just feel like at some point, like the rubber is going to meet the road and the proof is going to have to be in the pudding. He's going to have to change at least something. You, you have to evolve over time, right? So, like, I mean, and we're talking, you, you're talking what the UFC is making too. And, you know, they got those deals. We're also, as fans, paying more money. You know, we're paying $80 for a pay per view. And then you, you see like these fighters not making, where's that money going to the $80, you know, because that we understand that there's pay-per-view points, but those middle guys are still not making hardly any money because they're not getting those pay-per-view, the, the, those pay-per-view points that we're paying $80 more for. So as the economy has changed and the world has changed, Dana's going to have to evolve because that's what you have to do as far as just a business model. You can't stay the same or else you're going to get lapped. <clears throat> Kenny kind of mentioned it and we'll, we'll, we'll switch topics here. Uh, he talked about PFL, 
you know, and their biggest probably prize is Kayla Harrison. She's kind of come out and said, Hey, I'm the top woman in the MMA, uh, you know, bring on, bring on whoever, uh, she, she was a free agent last year, signed back with the PFL. And we talked about it. I mean, she's going to win this tournament and probably make another million. That's 3 million. I mean, and she's not facing, we know that she's not facing the top competition, but Craig, she's linked to cyborg here. Uh, she's cyborg just signed a boxing deal, but the PFL owner said, Hey, I'll pay cyborg Kayla Harrison. We'll make this the biggest PFL pay-per-view, uh, fight in history. Is that a fight you want to see? And kind of what's next for uh, Kayla Harrison? Yeah, well, um, kind of like you said, Kayla Harrison just, um, you know, extended her deal there, signed a new deal with the PFL. And they said um, the way things look for her on average, she's going to average close to a million a fight there. Um, so kind of like Kenny alluded to earlier, that that if that type of thing can continue to happen with elite fighters, then that'll be a challenge that the UFC is going to have to meet up with. Um, as far as Kayla Harrison fighting Cyborg, um, Harrison's got a fight coming up. Um, I mean, obviously she's the favorite. She's fighting a girl she beat before, but it was the only girl that ever took her five rounds. So, I mean, it's, it's not a chump change fight. We'll see how it goes. Everybody will assume she wins. And if she does, then, um, I mean, shoot, why not see her in Cyborg, man? Uh, me and Kenny were talking about it the other day. I can't get on board and say that anybody is the top female MMA fighter until I see him, um, you know, beat Amanda Nunez and I guess maybe beat her twice. Cause I'm not going to say that about Juliana Pena, uh, but, um, <laughs> but cyborg hasn't lost a fight since, uh, she lost to Amanda Nunez, man. She's been, uh, I think she's won like six straight, you know, Kayla Harrison's never lost their two, you know, of the top female fighters. Um, and if the PFL owners willing to pay the money and put it on, man, I mean, why not? Why I'm, I'm all for it. Kenny, is that a fight you're interested to see, Cyborg and Kayla Harrison? Or would you rather see Kayla maybe join the – I think she's done at, with the PFL after this year. She's kind of said, like, I'm, like, I think she's looking around saying, I've cleaned house, I'll take my $3 million and leave. But is it – you know, do you want to see the Cyborg or would you rather see her uh, fight or would you rather see her join the UFC? Well, I mean, it's definitely two different questions. Um, I would much rather her join the UFC and get her and Amanda – but do I want to see her in Cyborg fight? Absolutely. I mean, my opinion, that's pretty much a number one contender fight for Amanda Nunez. You know, I mean, I know it's not going to play out that way, but as much as we might may talk about Kayla Harrison staying in PFL, not going and fighting Amanda, her and Cyborg is still a major fight for women's MMA. It is going to be a huge fight. PFL is going to make a lot of money off of it. They're going to be able to market it. The only downfall it's going to have is every time Kayla says queen of MMA, or anytime they try to put this fight as the MMA women's goat, there's always going to be a UFC and Amanda standing there. And so really that's the only negative side, but everything else is positive about this fight. It's going to be a big fight. It's going to be a good fight. And I think that as a fight fan, it's a fight everybody should want to see. Craig, if, if uh, Kayla joins the UFC, let's just say after this PFL run, and I don't know if the, the cyborg fight will happen, but let's just say she signs with the UFC I mean, do you would you put her right in with Amanda Nunez as, or do you give her a, a warm up fight? Because I don't think I think everybody in the MMA world kind of knows who Kayla Harrison is, so it's not like yeah. we need an introduction. I and I agree, and I almost think if if she was to come to UFC, if you're Dana, you just have to put her with Amanda Nunez because if you give her a warm up fight, you know what if she loses, man? Then you lose. You can't lose that ticket, you know what I mean? So bringing her in and immediately putting her against Amanda Nunez in like a go type fight. I mean, why Dana wouldn't miss out on that opportunity. I don't think um, most times I would say, yeah, um, you got to give them the, the, the warm up fight, kind of like Michael Chandler, when he came over, he didn't just go straight to the belt. Um, even when he first came over, I said he needed two fights. You know, you guys were basically kind of on the train, like give him one. If he cleans house, you know, he's right up there. Um, but then now you look back at it, you know, I mean, things like that can happen. You know, Michael Chandler took a loss. And then um, I think so if Kayla Harrison were to come to the UFC, I feel like you got to put her and Amanda together immediately. Especially if Cyborg fight happens, right? Right. There's yeah. No, I mean, there, there's no bigger warm up fight on the plane. Oh, God, go, boys. To me, to me, I'm assuming, you know, that that fight's going to happen. I think that she'll fight Cyborg. If she does eventually fight Amanda Nunez, I feel like she's fighting Cyborg first. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Uh, um, 
on that, Craig. I mean, here's the here's the thing: the UFC could sell Amanda Nunez and Kayla Harrison right off the bat. Former teammates. Kate, Amanda left the gym. Uh, you know, it was reported that uh, she, um, you know, that they couldn't even be around each other. Like they had to schedule their times differently. That Kayla was kind of the is kind of like the leader or the captain of uh, American Top Team. And that's one of the reasons Amanda Amanda left to start her own gym is because of Kayla Harrison. I mean, these are all rumors and some of that's not all, you know, who knows what's true. Only people that knows what's true is guys like Dan Lambert, uh, you know, and the guys in that gym. But I mean, the UFC could easily sell Kayla Harrison and Amanda Nunez at, right off the bat, just due to the storyline of, <clears throat> of them being former gym, gym mates. I mean, how to, how to, if that fight's made, Craig, how do you, how do you see that fight going? If the Nunez Kayla Harrison fight is made, yeah. Um, I mean, shoot, man, just sitting here right now, um, I, I'm still taking Amanda Nunez over anybody, man. So, um, <laughs> at the end of the day, if I had to pick, um, at this moment in time, I'm taking Amanda Nunez, I'll take her over Cyborg, I'll take her over Kayla Harrison, I'll take her over just about anybody. Kenny, we were kind of talking how the UFC could easily sell Amanda Nunez and Kayla Harrison being former teammates. I mean, that storyline's there. Kind of, who do you like uh, if that fight was to be made? UFC loves those storylines, don't they? Colby and Jorge and Colby and Poirier, just Colby trying to clean out the whole gym. They love putting them old teammates against each other. Um, how do I see it playing out? I've sat here for so long and said that Kayla Harrison cannot say that she's even close to being the queen until she beats Amanda. But man, that fight's going to happen at 145, and Kayla Harrison's going to walk in there about 158, 160, and Amanda Nunez is not. And golly, man, I, I think that I would probably pick Kayla Harrison because it's got to, it has to happen at featherweight. And she's, I just think that she's going to be bigger than Amanda and stronger than Amanda. And Amanda really makes a lot of meat on being able to manhandle people. And you just ain't going to manhandle Kayla Harrison. That's no disrespect to Amanda. I just think when you just look at their styles and what they want to do, Kayla Harrison is going to be a very hard individual for Amanda to do that to. That's the only fighter in the world really right there at, at, at 145 for Amanda Nunez. That's going to give her problems. I mean, that's the, the you, you look at the 145 women's division. There isn't anybody literally, they don't even have a ranking. I don't think uh, that you can name uh, outside of Amanda Nunez. I mean, they're waiting for this Kayla Harrison. I, and we know that they offered her a decent contract, uh, respectable contract the last time out, but she went back to the PFL because the PFL could have matched. They matched and then went above and beyond. Now, I, I think after this run, she's like kind of like an unrestricted free agent as we, and, um, what and like kind of other sports what we have so it'll be interesting to see what she does i hope that that fight happens what would you guys rather see real quick before we change subjects here kenny would you rather see amanda nunez and harrison or cyborg and harrison nunez for sure 100 now that being said i would rather see that fight but with harrison fighting cyborg first i think that's where we're going to really get an idea of what we'd be looking at with with the nunez harrison fight because we know how in all due respect to Cyborg, we know how bad Nunez made her look whenever they fought. And if Harrison does the exact same thing, then it's like, oh, shit, we might really have a goat fight on our hands. But if Cyborg gives her problems being her biggest competition to date, then we might look at that Kayla Harrison fight a little different. Be like, man, maybe she's not quite ready for Nunez. So the Harrison-Cyborg fight I would love to see first, just so we have a better idea. But which fight would I rather see in general? Definitely Nunez and Harrison. Craig, what's your thoughts there? Harrison or Cyborg or Harrison and Nunez? Yeah, I uh, so Kenny basically kind of like took the words right out of my mouth, man. I, I it's definitely got to be Harrison and Nunez is ultimately what you want to see, but I want to see Harrison and Cyborg first, um, because I mean we've seen Harrison, you know, clean shop in the PFL, but we've seen Nunez clean shop in the UFC, which is you know a higher tier up, and we saw her, I mean, put work on Cyborg. So I just feel like Harrison and Cyborg, if if we can see that fight and Harrison can win that fight, all it does is just increase, you know, the level of the Nunez Harrison fight. It just, uh, it brings it up another notch. Um, so ultimately, you know, you want to see both of them. Um, but Harrison and Nunez is, is the one, I mean, if you got to choose one, that's the one you want to see, but I'd like to see Harrison and Cyborg happen before that. Hey, let me ask you this. So do you think that part of Harrison not coming over people have said for two years now that Amanda Nunez is the champ of a non-existent division, right? 
people keep saying 145 division doesn't exist. Well, if it doesn't exist with with Amanda there and Kayla comes over, she's the only person going to join that division. It still doesn't exist if she beats Amanda, right? No, it doesn't. I mean, you know what I mean? So do do you think that part of that plays into Kayla kind of staying over there? Like they at least have eight lightweight fighters over here for me to fight. You guys only have one featherweight fighter that's even worth my time. And she cannot cut down to 135, I would say. No, she's kind of said she's she's come out in interviews and said like she would need like a super dietitian. She would almost be depleted if she got down uh, down to 135. I'm kind of with you. There isn't if that's the only fight they could make. And then after that, what's next for no? You market a giant super fight. You set every women's record for MMA fight or pay per view buys and everything there is, and then it's all over after that because you just killed your goat. Yeah. I mean, then you have a new goat, but then what's next for her after that? You know, what I mean? Jorge Masvidal. I don't know. I mean, who you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Who, there wouldn't be much next. There wouldn't be next. But I mean, she, she at that point in time, what does she have to fight for? Right? She's made a bunch of money in the PFL. Then if she knocked off Amanda Nunez, really, what's next for Kayla Harrison would be the you know the biggest question. Like, what do you? What's left? You know. That's the same thing. I mean, even if, if Nunez beats Harrison, too. And it's like, that's the only thing that everybody's been saying. Oh, well, Kayla Harrison can beat you, Amanda. Well, if she comes back and she whoops Pena the way she did, because she won four and a half rounds of that fight, and then she turns around and beats Kayla Harrison, too, she might as well ride off into the sunset, because now you've cleaned up not just your division, you cleaned up every organization there is. Yeah, 100%. Um, right. I mean, at that point, if, if we get to the point where it's Nunez and Harrison, there's nothing after that except another Nunez and Harrison. I mean, really, for either of them. No, best case scenario, it's absolutely close, almost split decision close, and we can just do that like like Moreno and Fig, just rattle off four of them and try to make as much money as possible. <laughs> we might end up getting fatigued. Boys, we are one week uh, past uh, one of the most improbable knockouts in the UFC history where Leon, I mean, sent Usman into the shadow realm, uh, Joe Rogan said. And, uh, I mean, since then, it's a who's who is calling out Leon. We've seen Jorge Masvidal call out saying he's going to London and the the three, you know, with the emojis of the three-piece and a soda. Uh, Leon's kind of said, go get some wins first, you bum. We've seen his coach kind of come out. We know that, uh, you know, Leon's come out and said, hey, if Nate Diaz wins, you know, I got respect for Nate. Bring on Nate. Uh, you, reportedly that Usman is, you know, has come out and said, you know, that's the fight he wants. You know, report, you know, Dana's kind of talked to him that says he's in good spirits and, you know, wants that fight next. Kind of what's next here and who would you guys like, you know, Leon to see, uh, Kenny, in the, you know, when they run it, are they going to run this back or who would you like, who would you like? Uh, I definitely think they should run it back. I hope they run it back. I want them to run it back. Dana came out and said this week he is exhausting all efforts um, to check every venue in London that's possible uh, for Usman Edwards three. So I think that that's kind of the direction the UFC wants to go to. Uh, when you have a fight like that where, where somebody who's arguably the, the go to the division wins four rounds of a fight and then gets knocked out like that in the last minute, not only can you market the absolute hell out of that fight, but it was close enough that I think, I mean, Usman's earned that right to run it back pretty much immediately, right? As long as med- medically he can go. And Usman's already come out and said the rest of the world is a hell of a lot more sad over that loss than he is. He's already passed it, looking for the next one. Uh, so definitely run it back. I think that I'm not, I'm not going to say the only option because um, Colby doesn't have a fight either. But it's definitely the best option. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Chael P. Sonnen kind of came out and was uh, campaigning for uh, Colby Covington, Craig. I mean, would you rather see – I mean, Colby's fought twice and lost to Usman, uh, you know, two of his last three fights. And then Jorge is out here on a three-fight losing streak, champion, and we know their history. Uh, I mean, is it Colby next, or is it somebody else, Usman? Um, I mean, I said this kind of after the fight. Um, if it's not Usman, I feel like that spot's got to be open for Chimaev if he beats Nate. Um, I feel like he's kind of next in line, really. Um but I think it's got to be Usman. I mean, right after the fight, they were talking to Dana, you know, if um, he felt that Usman deserved a chance to run it back. And he said, yeah, he said, let's make it happen at Wembley, you know. Um, so I feel like if, you know, the UFC wants it and Usman wants it and Leon's down with it, then that's what we're going to see. I feel like, um, like Kenny said, I mean, Usman, there's no he's there's no reason that you don't give him the first shot back. I mean, he's defended that title numerous times and he 
won every round of that fight until he got knocked out. Um, so I feel like that that's the fight to see. Um, but like I said, if it's not Usman, I feel like it's, it's Chemaev. I mean, he's, he's kind of in that spot now. Um, you know, Gilbert Burns is out there looking for a fight like Colby or Jorge, one of these guys, um, that won a title shot. I feel like you don't get a title shot coming off of a loss. Um, so I feel like these guys got to go get a win. And like I said, Chemaev over Nate, I mean, what's next for him outside of a title shot, you know? So if it's not Usman, it's Chemaev. That's kind of my pecking order right now. Well, it has to be, it has to be by what Chemaev looks like though, right? Yeah. Because he didn't look very good against Burns. He can't go out there and look like that against Nate and then say, oh yeah, give me a title shot. Well, that's what worries me about Chemayev against Nate is because if he, if Chemayev fights Nate the way that he fought Burns, round four and five, he's in deep trouble. Yeah, and I think that's when Colby can step up and say, I've won six rounds against the champ, you could argue. So I think that uh, I'm definitely going to be next in line. I think that's when Colby gets a, a big argument is if Chemayev doesn't go out there and look very, very good against Nate. Or if Nate wins. I mean, Nate pulls off. Obviously, yeah. Shocker, you know what I mean? If Nate wins, it gets murky. I mean, outside of Usman, you know. If Nate wins, they will rerun that clip of him knocking out Leon, pointing at Leon, and saying, "Hey, I got you. I'm gonna let you slide on this dang near." Uh, you know, in Nate's mind, he won that fight. Nate, Nate will tell you, "Hey, when you win a fight, it's about the biggest who had the biggest high." You know what I mean? I, he ain't knocked me out. No, I, you know, Nate, Nate's obviously in his world, he's never been knocked out in his life, but. Uh, you know, video proof shows otherwise. And, uh, but I mean, he, he'll tell you, Hey, I won that fight because I had the highest of the high moment. And Curtis I, Blade said, it's not a fight. If there's not a highlight, right. There's only yeah. one highlight from that fight. And it was Leon doing this. Exactly. And it's like, it's like uh, that Joe Rogan clip where he says, you know, if every fight was a hundred rounds Nate Diaz would never lose a fight and he probably wouldn't, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, so, I mean, and Leon's kind of said, hey, I'll, I'll take Nate's a legend. I, I like, has a lot of respect, I think, for Nate uh, through their fight and, and everything else. But here's the thing. I do think Usman's next. Uh, Leon kind of said before the fight, hey, I know I'm going to have to beat him twice. Like, I mean, that's and that was so I think Leon already knows. Uh, the, the question is, how will Usman respond, Kenny? Because, I mean, when you're brutally knocked out like he was, uh, and you know, on a highlight reel, will that, you know, that changes guys. I mean, will that change, will that change Usman? Will he go back to just that straight wrestling? Uh, if there is a rematch, um, it's impossible to say right now, isn't it? You know what I mean? But you, he can't, I don't think he can really look at that because if he gets in and he tries to dirty box Leon for the whole fifth round and he tries to just stay in close Leon, Leon had him in a body triangle about choked out in the first round. You know, Craig said Usman won every round of that fight, and I don't think he won the first round of that fight. You know, I think Leon probably won the first round of that fight because, like we just talked about in the Nate fight, what was the highlight of it? It was Usman on his back, wrapped up, about choked out. So I think Leon probably won that first round. Um, you got to think that Usman is not necessarily going to fall back in love with the wrestling, but that's that's the area where he has the biggest advantage over everybody else, and you're going to see him want to use that. But he also knows his his road to superstardom, not just champ level, but superstardom came off of putting people on highlight reels like Jorge. That doesn't come from just dragging people around and stomping their feet. You got to get out. You got to throw hands with these guys. So I don't think you're going to see him become one dimensional like he was on the way up. But I do think you're going to see that balance kind of start to teeter more towards. I'm going to make you work for every single inch that you get in this octagon. And if you catch me good for you, but I'm not giving it to you anymore. I think you might see more of that, but I just don't think you're going to see him go one dimensional. Cause he's not going to get, you'll get the belt back like that, but he's not going to be what he was. He's not gonna be able to say he's the go. He's not going to be able to do those things. If you're not going out there and really dominating guys. Craig, this is a guy who at one time was talking about fighting Canelo and moving up to two Oh five. And with one head kick uh, to the face, I mean, all that went away. I mean, he fell in love with his striking. I mean, is it is he going back to the wrestling here? So, um, I mean, and, and Kenny's a, a thousand percent right. I did say that, uh, you know, he won every round of that fight, but Leon definitely took round one of that fight um, with the takedown and the wrestling. But um, we said it kind of before this fight, this kind of had like a, a Pena Nunez feel to it. And to me, it still kind of does. Um, 
you know, Leon did win round one, but like we've said before, Usman is very good at, you know, making those in-fight changes. And he turned that fight around and, and made it in going his way the rest of the way, basically. You know, if he doesn't get caught with the kick, um, he ends up winning that fight. So I think if you're Usman and you look in the mirror, man, like you don't need to change a whole lot. Um, there's a reason that he held the belt for as long as he did. And there's a reason that he won the majority of that fight against Leon. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I don't think we're going to see him change too much. Um, I do worry a little bit. I mean, we've seen guys that go on these huge runs once they get knocked out for the first time, they get knocked out a bunch of times. So, um, I worry about that a little bit for him, but as far as changing up styles, going back to strictly wrestling, I don't think, I don't think you fall back to that. I think his game now is just, he's, he's evolved, you know, so you don't take that evolution and that, that progress out of your game and fall backwards uh, just because you got knocked out. Yeah. I was shocked to see that uh, Usman's 35 as well. I didn't realize he was, uh, you know, that, that old as, you know, I mean, I know we're off mid 35, 36 too, but I mean, we don't feel that old, but I mean, we're not in the UFC, you know, taking on Leon Edwards and these young guys, but us at 35 is an older statesman here in the UFC, Kenny. <clears throat> and speaking of uh, some older statesmen, RDA has kind of come out and said, oh, he's done chasing the title. Uh, Marab was said that Aldo told him in the cage that he's done chasing. It might be done career wise. Um, now back, you, you know, some of these guys, what's kind of next for some of these veterans? Uh, are they done chasing the title? Is it time for just money fights? RDA has kind of come out and said, hey, I'm done fighting, chasing titles and these young guys. Give me some of these older veterans, you know, uh, a Jim Miller, uh, you know, Clay Guido to those type. Would you rather see these guys fight the, these veterans, you know, fight veterans or would you rather see them chase for the for the title here, Kenny? Uh, RDA called out Masvidal too in that quote, uh, talking about wanting to go after these old vets. Um, we've kind of been saying it. I know we haven't necessarily kicked the dead horse on here, but we have in the group chat. There's a whole reason why we have a BMF belt, right? You got these guys that are brawlers that are willing to go out and still fight anybody, but they're not going to go out and contend for the titles, the real titles. You got the BMF belt, put it on the line. You got guys like Masvidal, you got guys like RDA, Connor, Poirier. These guys are not legit title contenders but they are absolute big name brawlers you can throw that if colby's not going to be able to ever beat usman if leon could beat colby then he's in that same mix you got i love bobby knuckles but if whitaker can't ever beat the uh, top that level you could throw him in that mix too i just feel like there's a lot of these old vets that huge names that you can capitalize on you brought up last week uh after the card aldo and cruz you know monster names neither of these guys are going to be fighting for the belt you can put them on a card together. They can both make a big, a lot amount of money, have a very entertaining fight for fans. So I think what's next for the, the vets, man, is just start throwing the BMF belt on the line. Make it a catch weight. If you weigh 170 to 190, get your ass out of here and let's throw hands and see who can walk away with this thing. Craig, where are you at on some of these veterans like Aldo, Cruz, and RDA? Yeah, um, I mean, so I do think – at this point for all of those guys, I mean, they, I guess it's their choice, but it's not really their choice either. Um, as far as chasing titles, they've just kind of worked themselves out of things. Um, I know that you talk about, you know, Grand Prix, but the lightweight's basically in a Grand Prix right now. And RDA is the, the odd man out um, in the top 10. So at this point in his career, you're not going to, you're not going to chase the bell. You've, I mean, you're three, four wins away from getting a title shot. So you should go, you know, Try to find some old vets, a um, few names that you can, you know, make some money and extend your career a little bit. Um, like you said, Aldo Cruz, um, I would like to see that fight. Um, I'd hate to see it as a retirement fight. I'd like to see both those guys kind of go out with a win, um, but I'd love to see it, see them fight. Those type of fights are the fights that those those type of guys should be taking, I think, at this point in their career. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. I, I mean, kudos to like guys like Jim Miller and Clay Guida. They're still fighting, still around, still, you know, still love to do it. And they're not, you know, they realized a long time ago, I think, that they're not, you know, they're not chasing titles. They are getting some maybe, you know, a young and up-and-comer. They're not really fighting veterans. But, hey, if you can't beat these two guys, even you look at the heavyweight, Andre Arlovsky, still fighting, still taking fights and still winning. Now, you you're not putting those guys up against, you know, the higher rank guys, but you're just kind of putting those guys against some maybe young and up and comer dudes who are, um, 
you know, trying to make their way into the UFC and see if they can beat these veterans. I'm okay with that as well. But I, I think as far as like chasing titles, we can see, you know, they're not going to beat some of these top, you know, five, six guys in the, in the, the weight classes. No, like Craig said, the choice isn't exactly theirs. You know, if Aldo comes out and says, I think I'm done chasing titles, guys. Like, yeah, but Marab decided that for you. You didn't decide that. You know, if well, our – Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Well, was, so it's – I think that it's going to be harder for those – the guys that don't fit. You know, I brought up the BMF belt. It's going to be harder for guys that don't fit in that that weight realm. You know, Aldo's not going to go up and fight somebody that's 180 pounds and try to get a belt that really doesn't mean nothing. Um, so – you hate to to see guys like Aldo and Cruz go out with the loss, but at the same time, a win against Jim Smith from down the street that we pulled out the bar isn't really much of a way to go out either. Uh, you saw Luke Rockhold go out against Paulo Costa. That wasn't no cakewalk, you know. So I think that I think that it's best for those guys, not necessarily their egos. I would I wouldn't say, and I don't say that in a bad way. I mean, we all have them, you know. That it's important deal, especially the confidence level, to go out on a loss, but to have your retirement fight be a, a big fight like Aldo and Cruz like that, it should at least show that the world respected you enough to put you out of there against somebody that, you know, can still do it instead of saying, yeah, Dom, we just don't think you have it anymore. Uh, we're going to have you fight uh, the stage manager from out back. He put his camera down. Uh, we got some shorts on him. <laughs> Craig, I mean, uh, What's your you got any final more final thoughts here on these, you know, what to do with these some of these veterans? I like the fact that just hey, let's let them fight it out. I like Kenny's idea of the BMF belt. I mean, technically, Rocky, if you go lineage wise, Rocky Edwards is the the BMF because he beat Usman, who beat Masvidal, uh, for the BMF title. But uh, I mean, I'm kind of down with this BMF title, uh, you know, being being put up, uh, and, and passing along. I mean, in wrestling, we you look at you know, Dana likes them to manage things like the WWE. Well, they got secondary belts, you know, the intercontinental U S title belt. Maybe they should make a, 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 some secondary belts, you know, and then we'd get, you could put that on the line when you don't have a, a good pay-per-view and then, you know, say it's for a belt instead, because, you know, they're already struggling here with this Chemayev Diaz and not having a title on, on the belt. So you got any final thoughts here, Craig? I think, I mean, and, and we've talked about this, you know, in group and me and Kenny have talked about it before i think the bmf belt i mean what what'd you create it for i mean why i can't believe dana hasn't used it because i mean exactly there's marketing money in it so yeah but, but you but can't make money off of it if it's sitting on somebody's shelf it's got to be in the cage being fought for you ain't making no right. money off of it right he made he made money off of it one time you know and so i feel like at this point you know what this that is a perfect belt for guys like jorge masvidal to go out there and, and compete with you know and you said RDA called Jorge out, man. Like, let's make that fight happen. I mean, but, you know, for some reason, Jorge feels like he still deserves, you know, Leon Edwards at this point. And Jorge's a good talker, man. He can promote himself and whatnot, so he's going to try. I can't blame him for that. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I can't believe that the the BMF belt hasn't already started being used more than than what it was. Yeah, I mean, Craig, Jorge does not believe – Jorge doesn't believe that he should be fighting Leon Edwards. He believes that he might be able to talk himself into that fight, but he does not believe he should be fighting Leon Edwards. It, it, exactly. I, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, you said that they don't give title fights to people off of losses. Well, that's, I mean, that's far from the truth. We've seen it. I mean, Jorge's a prime example of it. Not that they do. Uh, I said, I don't think you should. I agree with you. I mean, but it's not the first, you know, rankings don't mean anything in the UFC. That's just, you know, for us fans to talk about rankings and then they pull the rankings when they need to, you know, promote a fight or, or things like that. Because I mean, you look at the next pay-per-view Hamza and Diaz, why are they fighting? We have no idea. Dana's trying to convince us that it's the number one contender fight, but I mean, Nate Diaz ain't even been ranked. He's not even ranked in years, but but <laughs> yeah. Nate Diaz is he's he's not the final boss, but he's the boss right before the final boss because it seems like that's the guy you got to beat to get a title shot, right? I mean, the last like two three people that have beaten Nate Diaz, their next fight was for a belt. So I mean, I guess that's just where where he is. That's his spot. He's we talk about you know top ten gatekeepers, top five gatekeepers. Nate Diaz is the title shot gatekeeper. 
the the unannounced uh, title shot gatekeeper, unranked. He's that secret mission <laughs> boss that you have to go on that you didn't know on the secret level when you're on your journey to a title shot. What what I'm in a fight with Nate Diaz? I thought it was supposed to be Colby Covington as the number one ranked guy. No, instead it's Nate Diaz. Gotcha. Uh, so some from possible fights that uh, you know we're talking about some possible fights. Let's talk next week's fights here. Some fights that are already getting ready to happen. Uh, next week's co-main event. It was a fight that's supposed to happen, I believe, in February. But, uh, you know, Bobby Knuckles had to pull out. It's Vittori and, you know, Bobby Knuckles here, Robert Werdeker in the co-main. Kenny, how do you like this fight and how do you see it going? I mean, these are two guys that are going to be Alex Pierre's biggest fans uh, come November because they're not they're, – I don't see either one of these guys. They, they'd have to go on some magical run to get another title shot because they both lost to Izzy twice here. Uh, yeah, I think um, you're definitely right about that. I don't think either of these guys, if Izzy wins, are going to be looking at that saying, ooh, I beat Marvin Vittori or Bobby Knuckles. I get, I'm number one contender. I don't think that's ever going to happen, uh, especially because of the way Izzy kind of made them both look. And that's no offense to Wit. I think that if Izzy wasn't the champ last fight, Wit probably wins that decision. Um, but at the end of the day, Izzy's the champ, and you got you got to do more than just win a decision against them. Uh, but it's how I see the fight going. Before the last Izzy fight, I might have been a little higher on Vittori than I am. But the way Witt was kind of able to, to sh display that wrestling against Izzy makes me feel like he's kind of been really working on it. We know he's a dangerous striker. Um, we weren't able to see Vittori ever take Izzy down, and Witt did it two or three times. Izzy got right back up, but he still took him down two or three times. So I don't think he's going to be scared to, to wrestle with Vittori. And I definitely think he's going to outstrike him. So I think uh, Witt will win decision. Um, definitely excited to see the fight, but... I'm big Bobby Knuckles guy, man. He's the guy till uh till Izzy ain't the guy. Yeah, I mean Craig uh Robert Whitaker, uh, you know, he's kind of that 185 champ here outside of Izzy. I mean, is but is it uh Vittori here? Is he gonna take this or how do you like this fight panning out? Um, I mean, you guys know, I mean, we're all pretty pretty big uh Whitaker guys I'm a huge Bobby Knuckles fan myself um and I've said it before man I just don't think anybody in this division outside of Israel Adesanya can really beat Bobby at his best um and like Kenny said man um Whitaker's not he's not just a striker anymore he's not just he doesn't just have to stand up and box with you um and he kind of proved that against Adesanya and Vittori I mean he's kind of that's where he, his bread and butter is his he's made He's made ground in the division by um, just kind of bullying guys around on the ground. Um, so I feel like if if Whitaker can just not get bullied on the ground, um, I feel like he can wrestle with him and he can definitely outstrike him. So um, I'm definitely taking Whitaker. Is that a three or a five round fight? It's a three round fight. Okay, but so yeah, I mean that 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 one probably does go to decision. I'm still I'm I'm taking Whitaker. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. Lock it in, boys. We're all on Bobby Knuckles here. I mean, the only person that we've seen Bobby Knuckles uh, lose to is uh, Izzy. You know what I mean? Like, he would be the UFC middleweight champion. We'd be talking about goat status, but there's this guy named uh, Israel Adesanya that he just, for some reason, can't get past and can't beat. Uh, I I think we're all in on him on Bobby Knuckles. I'm I'm ready to see what the uh, presser looks like because Vittori always uh, looks like the dude from the Goonies whenever he's a presser. <laughs> I mean, we saw that last presser when he was with Izzy. He was just all over the place. I think he was trying to hype himself up in that fight. That presser is going to be weird because uh, Whitaker is one of, like, the most quiet, humble guys, and Vittori <laughs> is, like, freaking maniac, you know? It will be. We did have a quick comment before we talk about the main event uh, next week. Uh, Jason Banaki says, uh, last four guys to beat Nate had title shots next, so this would make five RDA, Connor, Masvidal, and Leon exactly what we were saying like nate's that kind of um you know that side boss that you just you didn't know you had to get to to get to the belt i mean he's the eternal number one contender nate diaz <laughs> it, it in uh lightweight and welterweight folks i mean you beat nate diaz you're, you're getting a title shot even and <laughs> it's just wild deal uh much respect though to the dog that is nate diaz right uh speaking of two dogs this could be a uh i mean it's a title eliminator fight uh, you could almost put an interim. I wouldn't mind if they said it was the interim title fight. I would, uh, you know, you, you could almost be okay with that. You have Surreal gone here, who was the interim 
uh, champ lost to Francis Eck in January and a guy who's been probably the hottest fighter, maybe outside of uh, Tom Aspinall. And, Ty, and this is a uh, tie to of also Shuey here has knocked his way into, you know, title contention. Uh, Kenny, I mean, here we are. It's uh, surreal gone and tied to Avasa next uh, next Saturday. I'm excited for this main event. I'm a big shoey guy, but man, this is going to be a tough task. Definitely going to be as tough as test to date. Um, gone was on that streak. I mean, Dana was doing everything he could to get him to keep that belt until Francis decided uh, that it belonged to him. So, I mean, gone shown everything that you need to show. He how good did he go to look against Derek Lewis? You know, and Derek Lewis is kind of that tied to Ivasa type. He's going to throw big hands, not exactly the all-around guy. At the end of the day, you ain't trying to get get caught by Ty. So I think that's all, obviously what it's going to come down to. Uh, but, boy, if Gon can get his hands on him, it's going to be a long day for Ty to Ivasa. Craig, I think Gon's just such a great counter-striker and overall just a pure MMA guy. You know, I mean, Ty's not going to try to wrestle him like <laughs> – like uh francis did that kind of came out of nowhere by francis unless ty's just in wrestling school right now learning to wrestle but i i mean his bread and butter is going to be to knock you out yeah for sure man and um i mean that's that's where tuivasa is making his living and even in the Derek lewis fight i mean he lost the majority of that fight and it just got to a point where he could just take the shots that Derek lewis couldn't take and that's a fight that is in ty's wheelhouse and i think um, gone is com the complete opposite, man. Um, for a dude, his size, like, uh, the way he moves like so smooth and his skill level, man, he's, he's John Jones ish. Um, I feel like the way, you know, he, he can move around the octagon, um, as big as he is, you don't want to get caught by Ty, but you don't want to get caught by Francis and gone didn't get caught by Francis, you know? Um, and I think kind of like Kenny said, if gone can get, Chewy to the ground. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be a long night um, for Tuivasa. Man, I'm a big Tuivasa fan. Wouldn't mind seeing him win, but um, pick wise, man, I'm taking I'm taking Cyril Gan. He's he's dang good. Jason had a good quote here. Oh, you're a wrestler now. Gone to Francis. Exactly what happened. Uh, and he, I don't, like I said, I don't think he's gonna have to worry about that with uh, Ty Tuivasa. I love Ty. And, you know, it, it, this kind of wraps up, you know, kind of come full circle as we were talking about the individuality. Tatu Avasa, one of the reasons people love him is because of his personality, this joyful person who's dancing. He's doing, sh you know, shoeys in the uh, in, uh, in the cage. You know, fans get behind that. And that's what the sport needs. You know, people love personalities, especially in the fight game. Uh, people loved Mike Tyson, not only because he was knocking folks out, but because of his personality, that dog and personality of coming out, you know, no, sh no socks, just in a towel and just knocking folks out. People like <clears throat> Tyson Fury because of his personality, because he's out there singing and dancing after a few fights. I love Tatu Avasa. I've, I've, personally put on record Tatuasa ever is the heavyweight champion I will do a shoey right here on the show uh I mean that's just how I I just love the kid but unfortunately I just you know the the glass slipper is going to fall off here I, I just think Surreal Gon's just the overall better fighter but I mean if if Ty catches him we know we've seen what Ty can do when he catches you I mean ask Derek Lewis uh, I mean Derek Lewis big tree fall hot uh, you know, what is what happened to Derek Lewis, <clears throat> but I'm kind of with you guys lock it in. We're all in on surreal gone next, uh, next week, even though I'll be rooting for Ty, I'll be rooting for Ty. I'm not going to lie where my allegiance lie, but, uh, you know, when we pick fights and we talk about them, I got to give my professional opinion and put my fanhood aside. So, but if Ty, Ty wins, I'll be rooting for him. I'll be happy for Ty to Avasa. Uh, boys, you got any, uh, before we get out of here, Ken, you got any, uh, last, uh, you know, comments or anything? Uh, welterweights, man, we missed a little bit. Uh, we kind of talked about really just Usman and kind of Edwards a lot. Colby's got to fight somebody, right? Jeff Neal's on the way up. That's a fight we need to look at. Uh, Jeff Neal and Colby Covington, that's, that'd be six versus two. If Neal's going to fight up, I think that's about the only fight to make. If he's going to fight down, then I think you either let him avenge that loss to Wonderboy. Or depending on how far down he wants to go, let him go try to make some money against Jorge. I think though that's a few things I wanted to get in there. 
Yeah, Jeff Neal's kind of come out and said he'd fight Wonder Boy again because uh, Wonder Boy turned down some. He turned. Yeah, down, Wonder Boy uh, went to striker too. Neal needs to avenge that loss. Doesn't need to, but it wouldn't hurt. He, he Wonder Boy's kind of said, "Hey, don't give me a wrestler." They wanted to book him with uh, Shavkat. Uh, that didn't happen. He said, "No, thank you." Which I get. I would turn down a fight against Shavkat if I'm Wonder Boy. Uh, Wonder Boy and Jorge would be good too, man. Yeah, if if you're Wonder Boy, do you want Neil again, or do you want to? I mean, if I'm Wonder Boy, I, I why not try to go get Jorge, man? That's a fight that Wonder Boy could probably win and make a little bit of money off of. You because know? Wonder Boy he thinks that, that he's a title contender, and he's got to go. He, I mean, you're gonna have to Jeff Neil's up. You're gonna have to fight up to go fight that title. So I think that that's that's why Wonder Boy would want that Jeff Neil fight back. But at the end of the day, Jeff Neil's kind of been on a heater since then. I don't know if you really want the Jeff Neil fight in that way. Yeah, I mean, he's already beat Jorge. He's beat both those guys, beat Jorge and Jeff Neal, uh, Wonder Boy has. So, I mean, he would probably, if I'm him, I would take both of those fights. Uh, you know, Wonder Boy probably don't have a whole lot left. They tried to make him in Holland, but it was a short notice. That was They're, the one, man. That was the fight we it, needed. That would have been a good one. And that would have done wonders for both because we could have seen how good Holland is at really at 170. Uh, I like both strong, lanky fighters. I love, I love Kevin Holland, another character in this you know, um, a pers great personality in this fight game. So I kind of get behind some of these guys with good personalities. I love Kevin Holland. Uh, he's getting ready to fight D-Rod on the next pay-per-view. Instead, I would have rather seen him fight Wonder Boy, get in that top, you know, echelon of the the welterweights and see, see how good he is. But I'm kind of with you, you know, Kenny, as far as you said, uh, Kobe doesn't have a fight. They said they're working on Kobe with the fight. I mean, is he going to fight Jeff, Jeff Neal? I, I don't really... I think that's a fight. Colby says, no, he hasn't earned that fight yet, but it's almost like the Sean O'Malley situation where like everybody else in top five has a fight. Colby, if you want to fight, you got to fight somebody. Number six is the next guy. Yeah. Who, who is Colby going to fight? You know, I mean, if he's, if he's wonder boys right after that, wonder boys not going to fight Colby Covington. Number one, Burns, he's fight up that high. Burns is Burns is the one. I mean, if Colby's not going to fight Jeff Neal, it has to be Gilbert Burns. And he's tried to get out of that fight too. I feel like over and over. Yeah, I, I, Burns and uh, Kobe would be a that'd be a heck of a fight. Good I mean, wrestlers, it, man. Maybe it's time. You know, it's been reported that you know maybe it's time for Kobe to move up to uh, one eighty five and move to middleweight. Would you match him right up with uh, the champion, or would you give him like a, a Bobby Knuckles or somebody like that? You know, one of them top five uh, middleweights, Kenny. Got to be Bobby, I think personally. Um... I don't think you can lose to the champ twice, even if you did win a few rounds against the champ and then move up a weight class and say, ah, hey, I want the champ right away because the 185 champ now, Adesanya and Alex Perry are a little different because they're thin guys that don't put on a lot of weight. Typically, the 185 champ's walking in about 200 pounds. So I don't think you can really just move up from welterweight and start making demands like that without winning a fight. Uh, but I definitely think that his if he does move up, I think his first middleweight fight has to be one of those top three guys. And I think Bobby is really – they're the same dude. I mean, when you really look at it, not just in the way their careers have gone against the champ, but they're both long rangey strikers with some power that are, I mean, Kobe's probably a good wrestler or a better wrestler, but they're both very good wrestlers too. I think it, that's the one. And if Kobe can get past him, then there's absolutely every demand he can make. And if Bobby gets past him, then he can say, listen, Dana, you fed me the dude that you said was going to come up here and dethrone me up here as the number one contender. You got to give me somebody. So I think if he does move up, I'd love to see him and Bobby if Bobby can get past Vittori. Yeah, uh, Jason's kind of chimed in here. He said, I think Colby might be waiting for a Hamzat since the trilogy with Edwards and Usman's next for the belt. I mean, that that would be that would be a heck of a fight. I mean, Hamzat wins. There you go. There's the number one title, you know, contender fight, especially if Leon beats Usman again, Craig. I mean, are you kind of behind what Jason's uh, talking here? Yeah, I'm definitely not against it. You know, um, uh, that's the that's the spot where Leon beating Usman is kind of muddied the waters because I think it was kind of set up. You know, if Usman beat Leon, then, you know, Chimaev beats Nate. That's the next title match, you know, is Chimaev and Usman. Um, and now things have kind of changed. Colby does need a fight um, as far as moving up. Uh, straight to a title shot, I think, especially in that division, like we alluded to, man, it's you know, you don't deserve a title shot unless you can get past Robert Whitaker. Um, because Robert Whitaker's beat everybody in that division. He's kind of the guy, like, if you can beat him, then you're deserving of a title shot in this division. Um, so, I would, yeah, I definitely wouldn't mind seeing that. He's kind of he's kind of got to be kind of like what Nate Diaz is, but uh, Witt's more deserving. Um, in that div division, you don't get a title shot unless you get through him, you know. I feel like that's kind of how it should be there. Um, 
Chamayev and Covington, though, yeah, man, I'm all I'm on board with that. You know, if if Chimaev beats Nate, um, you know, Colby's already been out here talking smack a little bit to Chimaev, setting that up. And um, I mean, Chimaev's a beast, man. I would I, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight at all. Yeah, that would be the you, number one contender fight for sure. You could put that on the same Leon, the Leon card, you know, Leon Usman card, Kenny. Yeah, well, no, Craig said that Leon beating Usman muddy the waters, and that has nothing to do with it. Nate Diaz muddied the waters. Shamayev should not be fighting Nate Diaz. He should have been fighting Colby Covington the whole time, and we're not having this conversation. I said the second the Gilbert Burns fight got over, I said Shamayev did not do enough to get past Colby Covington without having to fight him. And I still believe that. You know, you said that nobody should be able to fight for the 185 belt without being Bobby Knuckles. You can say the exact same thing about Covington. I understand that the last four people that have fought Nate Diaz have got title fights. Doesn't necessarily mean they were deserved title fights. When you really boil it down to you beat a dude who hasn't been ranked in four or five years, whatever it is. So I think when you really think about it, like, Jamaya gets past Nate, he should still have to fight Colby, especially with Usman and Edwards coming up. You, I wouldn't say Nate Diaz muddied the waters. I'd say the UFC muddied the waters, getting giving Nate Hamzat instead, trying to make that name. But that's Hamza. Nate, isn't it? That's Nate wanting to flip the birds on the way out and Dana flipping them back. That's They, they muddied the waters together, but it wasn't – Edwards beat Newsman. It was this whole Nate Diaz, Dana White, dicks on the on the on the desk com competition is what we got going when, on. Here. And when Leon fought Nate before the title shot, Leon was really deserving of a title shot then, and just didn't have a fight. So you know he just kind of got Nate um, by default at that point in time. Well, yeah, his was kind of by default too with the eye poke and everything else. I mean, some shit just kind of didn't go his. We saw in that hype video. I mean, some things didn't go his way along the way that. If he had won that fight, almost like O'Malley and Pedro Munoz, like a lot of people said, oh, well, O'Malley doesn't deserve Peter Yan. Yeah, but if that fight finishes up, he probably does. And I think if Edwards finishes up the Bilal fight, he probably gets that title shot without any argument, I would believe. So I think that I think that the mud, the waters are definitely muddy, man, but I would love to see Colby and Chmaev, man, put them wrestlers against each other. Chmaev is not scared to bang, but he hasn't really shown that he can do it yet, and Colby has. You know, Chimaev's that Greco-Roman type where he loves the big takedowns, but he's not much for ground control when he gets there. He just hopes that he can get the finish. Where Colby's a very good control wrestler, very good at ground control time, very good at control and position. It's really, it's almost just like, I mean, it's strength against strength, and it's really everything you could ever hope for in a number one contender fight. I agree with that. Uh, plus, Colby's got the extra lung where, I mean, he's conditioning. It's just he can go deep into fights. Craig, before we get out of here, you got anything else? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, fight's back on next weekend. So uh, it was it was an odd Saturday uh, without the fight. So it'd be good to have him back on next weekend. All right, folks. Hey, this has been another great episode of Head Kicks and Haymakers. I'll be back on tonight at 7 p.m. Central. We have professional fighter Colton Carmack. We're going to be talking a little fight news with him. Also, two-division champ, uh, amateur champ, uh, Ray Sweet Baby Hayes will be joining me to talk about his last fight and uh, kind of what's next for him and the rest of the Parabellum team. Uh, that'll be happening at uh, 7 o'clock Central time zone tonight right here on the channel. Uh, so please join us. Join us in the YouTube comment section. Uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, yesterday as well, I was on uh, Let's Talk Sports. If you want to go over there and check that out, make sure you're subscribing to Let's Talk Sports. Dan Dave Harris uh, doing a lot of great things. Uh, Roku channel and everything else. So make sure you're subscribing, checking uh, all the material out there. If you got any sort of sport that you like, Dan Harris is covering over there at Let's Talk Sports uh, all over the world, whether it's cricket, crumpet, whatever you want. Uh, Dan's covering it and talking to great people. Uh, so please do check out their channel as well. Uh, it's been a pleasure, boys. Uh, Kenny, go ahead and hit that outro, baby. It's been another great episode of Head Kicks and Haymakers. We'll catch you right here next Sunday at uh, 7 a.m. Central, baby.